This episode is sponsored by Anchor, the official host of Wellness and Wanderlust. Anchor is the easiest way to create your dream podcast. With Anchor, you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other popular podcast apps. You can even make money from your podcast using Anchor. Anchor is your one-stop shop with everything you need to make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hi, friends. For those who celebrate, I hope you had a festive 4th of July holiday and enjoyed your weekend. I'll admit I wasn't feeling the most patriotic this year thanks to some of the latest Supreme Court decisions and other laws that have gone into effect recently, but there's still a lot to be grateful for, and it was fun to spend a little extra time with family this year. I'm excited to be back with another great episode this week, and I cannot wait for you to hear more. Now, last week, I had the joy of appearing on the You've Got Connections podcast with Ariel Levitt. You may remember Arielle from episode 83 of this show, where we talked about the power of connections and navigating the sometimes scary world of dating as a millennial. We hit it off so well during our interview that I ended up coming onto her show shortly after, and I had such a blast. We talk about my journey into podcasting and the story behind Wellness and Wanderlust. It was really, really fun, and if you want a little bit of behind the scenes of how I started the show and why, I'd love for you to check it out. I definitely recommend giving her show a listen in general. You should absolutely subscribe. It is fantastic. She talks to some amazing people on the show, and I've linked this particular episode in the show notes so that you can check it out. Now on to today's episode, we are chatting with Winnie Chan. Wang, a trauma-informed licensed acupuncturist and energy healer about all things shadow work, what shadow work is, how we can do it safely, and what everyone should know when it comes to shadow work. Winnie shares her own journey into this line of work and what it means to explore the darkness within us. We discuss how trauma stores itself in the body, the most common shadows we experience, and the blessings behind each of them, whether forgiveness is necessary in the healing space, and how we can shift away from our feelings of unworthiness. We get into so many juicy topics in this one, and if you haven't thought about shadow work in the past, this is definitely one you'll want to explore further. I know we've been talking a lot about trauma on the show lately, but I think it's such an important conversation to be having, and I know you're really going to enjoy this one. So enough for me. Let's hear from Winnie. Hi, Winnie. Thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust today. Thank you so much for having me, Valerie. I'm so honored to be here. Well, I'm honored to have you on the show. I think we're going to have an amazing conversation, and I can't wait to hear more about what you do. Now, before we really get started, I would love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about your role as a trauma-informed acupuncturist. That's a great question. So I have four science degrees. I'm really, really nerdy. I have two from (laughs) MIT. I really, really love to study. And what happened was in 2009, I had a spinal injury. So everything that can hurt was hurting, you know, so I have like lower back pain, neck pain, hip pain, knee pain, ankle pain, just everything that can hurt is hurting. So I went back to acupuncture school, which is another four years of uh, a master of science degree. And halfway through that, I had a near death car accident 
which led to my spiritual awakening. And it's really funny because before that, I never meditated one day in my life. You know, I never saw a talk therapist, never did any of this so much self-help things. But in that moment that I was in the car accident, I was like, wow, the way that I was living, I just wasted my whole life, you know? So that was like a big turning point for me. And that's when I started meditating every day. I started talk therapy and I dabbled into spiritual healing. And what I've discovered is, of course, we all know the body keeps the score, but combining acupuncture and talk therapy and energy healing, I was able to become a medical intuitive. So one example would be, you know, I had a client, she called me, found me on Yelp. And she's like, Winnie, I'm having decreased eyesight in my left eye for three months. Do you think you can help me with acupuncture? And then I said, okay, just come in, we'll see what we can do. And in traditional Chinese medicine, we learned that anger is trapped in the liver. And we know that liver opens in the eyes. So because she has an eyesight problem, so then I asked her, I said, what was the most frustrating thing that happened to you three months ago, you know, at the onset of this eyesight problem? And then she goes, funny that you asked, because I was at a retreat with my sister and we had a huge fight. And she gave me the silent treatment. She set boundaries with me. And I was so angry because I didn't feel like I deserved that punishment. So I said, bingo. I said, for the sake of recovering your eyesight, are you willing to forgive your sister for cutting you off and also forgive yourself for whatever you said that caused your sister to cut you off? And she said, yes. And so we did a forgiveness practice, we did acupuncture, and because of my ability and the things that I have cultivated, I'm able to connect to the source and download source level forgiveness for my client to benefit her eye. And in one session, she fully recovered her eyesight. And wow. that, that is the, what we mean by the body keeps the score, right? So it looks kind of harmless. You know, she went to a retreat in Santa Fe with her sister and they got into a fight. Then she had decreased eyesight, then a forgiveness practice with acupuncture and energy healing. And then she was fully recovered. It's amazing. And, you know, I had heard that over the years, there's the book, The Body Keeps the Score. And we hear that trauma stores itself in the body. I know that when I had gone through something traumatic, I ended up going through EMDR therapy and finding that I was feeling certain emotions in certain places. For those who may not be familiar with the concept, can you explain a little bit more about how trauma does store itself in the body? Great question. So I have to explain a little bit about energy healing. And I love that I have a computer science major because I'm able to break it down in concepts that people understand. So most people know that the computer is encoded ones and zeros. And the reason for that is because when we were building the computers, it's related to electrical engineering. And what that means is if there's electricity conducting, right? If the circuit is complete, when I press the light switch, the light bulb turns on if the circuit is complete. Now, if the circuit is broken somewhere, 
when I press the light switch, the light bulb doesn't come on. So energy healing is basically the process of locating all the zeros in the body and turning it back to one. So I'm walking around your house and testing every light switch and say like, okay, does this light turn on in the left shoulder? Does this light turn on in the right shoulder? Does this light turn on in your kidney? Does this light turn on in your liver, you know? And I walk around and said, okay, well, this light is off. So let me go turn it back to a one. So what happens is in our traditional Chinese medicine, we explain that there are five elements and five organs. So heart, spleen, stomach, which is a digestive organs, lungs, kidney, and liver. These are the five major organs and they have associated emotions which is loneliness or disconnection for the heart, overthinking, anxiety, worrying about anything impairs the digestion, grief, sadness when you've broken up with somebody or when you um, had to say goodbye to a job or a home unexpectedly, and that is trapped in the lungs. Then the fears, doubts, when we have trust issues, when we're feeling unsupported, that is trapped in the kidneys. And then when we have anger, resentment, bitterness, okay, somebody did me wrong, or I didn't get what I want. I really wanted that toy, but I didn't get that toy. Or I really wanted to date that guy, but that guy didn't want to date me. That's anger. And so that is stored in the liver. Basically, that's to say that the body is in a natural equilibrium. So in the absence of unhealthy levels of emotion, a little bit is okay. You know, we should be able to deal with a little bit of anger, a little bit of fear, a little bit of grief and overthinking and loneliness. What happens is actually there's a Harvard scientist that proved this, that from the moment we have a single thought, the thought generates the chemicals and then the chemicals generate the feeling, the sensation of anger or fear or sadness. However, the single thought is only supposed to last 90 seconds. In other words, from the moment that I generate a thought that makes me angry, if all I did was inhale and exhale for 90 seconds and I just allow myself to be angry, then in 90 seconds, that thought and the feeling would have left me. Wow. Of course, we don't do that. We're like, oh my God, what's wrong with that person? How dare he said that to me? Oh my God, I can't believe that person cut me off in traffic. <laughs> you know, like we don't just say one sentence and then stop for 90 seconds. So basically what, we ha what is happening is we're perpetuating thought after thought after thought, 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 thought. And then so chemical, 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 feeling, feeling, feeling. And so pretty much it's like we generate our own suffering. And if we just keep the same thought, then we keep generating the same feeling. And over time that basically we're dimming our own light. We're walking around putting rocks in our river so that our rivers don't flow anymore. So that's literally the analogy. It's like we're going around the house and be like, okay, let's stop turning the light on in this room and let's stop turning the light on in that room. And pretty much after a while, the body keeps the score. It makes a lot of sense. And I can definitely say that while I've, I've heard that 90 seconds, that the emotion really is, that's as long as it should be staying with us. 
But so many of us, myself included, I'm one of those ruminators where, you know, it's on my mind and it keeps me up at night. And I don't know about you. I've certainly had the times even where I have the negative or the difficult emotion. And not only are you feeling the emotion, but you're beating yourself up for having the emotion. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so I can definitely see how that can play a role in our in our physical health as well. So when you're working with a client, um, you know, maybe you've uncovered that they're experiencing this loneliness or they're experiencing this anger and it's affecting an area of their body. What exactly do you do in terms of energy healing to start to heal their traumas? And how are you seeing these emotions affect them on a day-to-day basis? So there is blockages at the body level, the energy level, the mind level, the heart level, and the soul level. So when I work with my private clients or in a group setting, I will systematically address the soul, heart, mind, energy, and body blockage. The funny thing is, it's not me healing that person, it's that person healing themselves. Basically, the only thing that is necessary to turn the light switch back on is their willingness to turn the light switch back on. So my job is more of diagnoses. I'll be like, oh, well, I see that there's the energy is not flowing in the left thigh. Okay, can you breathe in here? And so it's really more like guided breath work. And the client is literally decongesting their energy channel and opening. And so the value of me as a guide is I let you know where your blockages are, at least in the beginning. Actually, I teach a body scan workshop so people can scan their own body and they don't even need me. And I also am able to download light into the person so it can happen 40 years faster just because of the immense light and healing power that I can channel. So for anybody who's out there listening, who feel like, oh, therapy is expensive, I can't afford it. There are so many free things out there. On my website, I have this video called Move any energy blockage in 90 seconds, five moves where I combine traditional Chinese medicine, Kundalini yoga. And if you just do that move for 90 seconds, you're going to move that out of your body. And, you know, that's just free. And there are so many talented experts out there. If you are determined and committed to healing yourself, right? Listening to Valerie's podcast every time she brings on these amazing hosts, right? There's just endless amount of free information. If you are committed and dedicated, you can absolutely heal yourself. And the opportunity to work with me in a group setting or in a private setting is I can save you 40 years. I can just bam and then make it happen. That's amazing. And I think it's so helpful to have somebody to kind of talk us through, well, where are these blockages taking place? Because you could have some really vague symptom that's scary. You're not really sure where it's coming from. And to have someone kind of talk you through, hey, well, what happened to you in this particular time that made you feel X way? Just to have that guide, I think could be so powerful. And, um, you know, something you talk about, I know that you wrote a book about your experiences with shadow work and how that has been really impactful for your healing journey. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and how we can incorporate shadow work into our lives too? 
Absolutely. So what happened in my clinic, and I used to work Monday to Friday and just help client after client work on clearing their energy, is I realized, what if I died in three months? How can I leave a legacy in the world so that even if I had a car accident and I died, that somebody is able to do shadow work in a systematic fashion? Because remember, I'm a science nerd. And so I was like, can I give birth to a manual, a Bible? The person just has to do the exercises in the book and they can systematically look, you know, the way that I say, okay, let's go to this room and check it out. Go to that room and check it out. And instead of having me guide you, that you can just follow the book and guide yourself to walk through all the rooms in your house. And so, yeah, so this book, there is... 10 categories in shadow. And so it's the top 10 shadows that I most frequently encounter in healing people that they are stuck in. And so it, it's very much a very empowering book. And it's fun. You know, if you've ever read Women Who Run With The Wolves, where they tell stories and then there's like a moral of the story. So instead of me telling you, okay, Valerie, you go through shadow work. It's more like I'm telling you the story of my childhood trauma, my rape, my divorce, my parental alienation, the pain, the fear, the darkness, even suicidal thoughts, like all the darkness that I have walked through in my life, all the shadows I've faced. And so I am telling you a Netflix worthy Korean drama like story of my life, but I'm also giving you the Bible on shadow work. So it's not like a boring textbook, but it's kind of like a K-drama that you don't want to put down. <laughs> but then there is like moral of the story in every episode. I think there's something so powerful in that too. Just we learn so much through the stories of others and how connected we all are because it's some something in your story could really resonate with me, could resonate with the next person reading. And we may be able to learn something about ourselves just by by reading that. And so I do think that it certainly gives us insight into you as the writer, into you as the guide, but it also I think can give us insight into ourselves and make the lessons I think even more impactful. Yes, exactly. And you don't feel so alone, I think, when you're reading that too. Exactly. Pain is universal. Everybody experiences pain in their life. There's not one individual who doesn't have physical and emotional pain in their body right now. However, suffering is optional. <laughs> you know, pain is a common experience. We all have it. You know, next thing we know, family crisis, right? Okay, COVID hit. Oh my God, all of a sudden, what do you mean I can't go grocery shopping? What do you mean I can't get on the plane? What do you mean I have to blah, 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 right? There, there's countless things that happen to us. And perhaps when there are wars in the world or mass shooting, we can feel utterly powerless and small and scared. And so... The book is really about how can we own that every darkness is also in me and the way that I am immunized against other people's darkness is by meeting the darkness in me. And this is really, really powerful. So one of the things that happened, you know, when Russia 
declared it's attacking Ukraine, you know, the first thing I was like, WTF, what's going on in the world? How come wars are happening? I mean, haven't we learned enough from World War One and World War Two? Like, how dumb do you have to be to want wars in the world? That's just completely a big waste of human lives and resources. Like, think about all that money we can be used in healthcare and education, right? So that was my mm-hmm. first thought. And my second thought is, every time you feel triggered and powerless, it's because there is some war inside you and in your life that is a reflection of the external world. So rather than, you know, sitting on my couch and pointing at the TV and be like, what's wrong with the world? I do the shadow work. So I do meditation and I ask myself this question, what is it within me that is being triggered by the Russia-Ukraine event? And what I found is there is a relationship between the bully and the victim that is reflected in my relationship, maybe the way with my children or the way with my ex-husband. Maybe it triggered me in the way I was treated as a child in my childhood. So there are unhealed elements within my body that I get an opportunity to look at and reframe into, well, what can I do to address this? I think that's important to, to be mindful of too, because I think on a, on a less global scale, a lot of times I find that if I'm triggered by another person, and a lot of times that has a lot to do, really every time when you really think about it, it has something to do with something inside of me that it's that it's bringing out that it might be you know subconsciously reminding me of that I don't even realize I think until I look within and really see well what is what is this actually bringing out in me why is this giving me such a you know an emotional response exactly so let's just give the audience a very concrete example so let's say I'm a mother of teenagers which I am <laughs> and my teenagers are let's just say, awfully rebellious and just saying no to every single thing that I say. Can you come to dinner? No. Hey, can we do this? No. So I can have the experience of being a victim because no matter what I said, I'm being rejected. And I can assign my kids as bully because they are not listening to me and they are not receiving me. But if I step back, why did my children become bully? Well, maybe if I roll back the clock seven years ago, maybe the way I parented was very, I'm the mom, you have to listen to me. You know, like you have to do your chores, you have to brush your teeth, blah, 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 right? So maybe seven years ago, I was the bully and they were the victim. Maybe I told them, okay, that's enough for screen time. Everybody put down your phones. You got to go to bed now. And maybe they felt like, oh my God, my mom never listens to me. Even though I don't want to put down the phone, she just grabbed the phone out of my hand and, you know, turned the power button off or something. So the book is really full of quotes and experts that quote like over 25 experts in the book. One of the experts is Byron Katie, and she has this method called flip it around, right? So Mm -hmm. for example, my child is not listening to me. It's one iteration. 
But the roles are flexible, so it can also be I'm not listening to my child. It can also be I'm not listening to myself. It can also be my child is not listening to herself. So basically, I might be triggered by the fact that my child is not listening to me. But actually, there's four iterations, right? So I get to sit with: Am I listening to my child? And am I listening to myself? So shadow work is realizing: Well, I can't control if my child listens to me. I can't control if my child listens to herself. But what I do have control over is whether I listen to my child. What I do have control over is whether I listen to myself. So if I am having the experience that my child is not listening to me, I get to do the shadow work and look at how I am not listening to myself and to her. So the more I improve my listening skills. It's like a vibration, right? If I am a really good listener, then maybe one day my kids will catch my vibration and my kids will start listening to me. In fact, they say children—they don't do what you say, but they do what you do, right? So,、mm-hmm. vibration of listening—you know—it's it's kind of like COVID. You know, COVID is contagious. But so is emotional viruses. Like anger is also contagious, right? So、mm-hmm. if I'm angry at my child for not listening to me, then she's also angry that I'm angry that she's not listening to me, right? Yeah. But if I have forgiveness and compassion that my child is angry and not listening to me, and instead of blaming her, I work on myself so that I'm become a better listener. Then all of a sudden, I'm bringing forgiveness, compassion, listening into the vibrational field of my house, and that's how we have more love, peace, and harmony in my house. And hopefully, eventually, if everybody does the shadow work, read my books, and buy my courses, then we will actually have this vibration and reach all the way to Russia and Ukraine. I think that's beautiful, and there really is something to be said for emotions being so contagious. I know that when I'm around really nervous energy, anger, anything like that, it can be really difficult to not let that catch on and to take that with you into the day and pass that on to other people. But similarly, when you're around a really positive vibration, you you take that with you throughout the day. And so, I really do think that this type of work, you know, we work on ourselves, we can change the whole world. So, I I really Love that lesson there.、Um, you know, as you're working with clients, you, you know, you mentioned that in your book you have a top ten shadows that you see the most.、Um, can you talk about maybe just a few of those shadows that you see often popping up and kind of how how we might work on those? Absolutely, I have a course. That's eleven weeks, so that we can systematically work through each shadow at a time. So. Let's take anger for example. There is a gift in every single shadow, and I'm gonna share, a, you know, a story. I was raised not in this country but in Asia, where girls are expected to be submissive, right? Hence the、mm-hmm. stereotype submissive Asians. Girls were expected to be sweet and smiling and. Do things for other people, serve other people, and not get angry. <laughs> and so, 
when the rape happened, I didn't have anger. If I had anger, I would have been like, what is wrong with you? And, you know, I would have fought a little bit harder. But because I was suppressing my anger, I was not able to protect myself. So there's actually a gift in every shadow. So for example, in the sh in grief, right? We think, oh my God, I'm so sad, I'm so sad, I'm so sad, grief sucks. But actually there's a gift in the grief. The grief tells us how deeply we loved, we cared about the thing that we lost. Our grief tells us how much we did show up in loving and supporting and receiving from this thing that we now no longer have. And there is a gift of fear, right? So for example, it is the gift of fear that prevents us from falling off the cliff when we're hiking. And it's real because actually this morning I went to yoga class and my yoga teacher told me that her 16-year-old niece had a sudden death because she had a hiking accident. And basically, the 16-year-old girl, she is fearless. She was going places where it's off the beaten path and it's like after hours and taking risks. So all of these things that we think, oh, it's so inconvenient to experience grief or fear or anger, while in fact, there is a gift in everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I think about when I was on a trip a few years ago, I had a panic attack on a cliff. I followed my friend on a hike that neither of us was really equipped to go on and got just overcome with anxiety being on this cliff, got myself away from the situation. And I was so angry with myself at the time. But when I really look back at it, even years later, I know that, hey, that was that was a real fear and I could have been in serious danger and there was no reason not to be afraid in that particular situation. <laughs> yes. The, the, you know, sometimes we get so anxious and overcome with fear over the things that are either never going to happen to us or they're not going to put us in harm's way. That was a serious physical danger. Your panic attack could have saved your life. Exactly. So I, I do think there is such an importance in, in seeing the gifts in these and kind of reframing that because you're right, the, the grief, especially when, when I've experienced grief over the loss of a relationship or the loss of a loved one, it's because of all of the, you know, you're remembering all of these, these great things, you're remembering the good times and the, the things you loved about, about that person that you wouldn't trade for the world. Exactly. So I think I think that's so important to to recognize those gifts as you're going through that shadow work and kind of to understand that maybe not to be overcome by them but certainly to understand maybe when there can be some good in that. Now something that you talk about and I love that you're the queen of compassionate transformation. I'd love to know a little bit about that and where our feelings of unworthiness kind of come into this shadow work and how they relate to the, to the work that you do. Yeah, so let me start by saying something, which is we've had thousands of years of patriarchy and where we preferred the young, the masculine, the light achievements over yin, feminine, water, moon, resting, nourishing. We judge each other by how much money we make, where we went to college, but we don't put as much an emphasis on how forgiving a person is, how kind a person is. So this idea that we prefer light over dark 
it's actually imbalanced. And why we need compassionate transformation is because under patriarchy, we think fear, bad, release, anger, bad, release, grief, bad, release, which is, we, we should do some of that, but that's 50% of healing. 50% is releasing the fear, the anger, shame, unworthiness, but 50% is practicing the feminine principle of receiving, accepting, so in nature, right, earth, trees, they take carbon dioxide, which is a waste product, and they release life, oxygen. So think about this. To turn on your ability for compassionate transformation is to turn on your ability to be in the feminine principle where you take carbon dioxide and you turn it out to oxygen. So somebody gives you anger, you can recycle it and give back forgiveness. And this ability is actually in every one of us. If you think about it, no mud, no lotus. The lotus has to come out of the mud. And what is in the mud? The mud is rich soil. And how do we get rich soil? We get rich soil from rotting tomatoes, animal feces, compost. So if we didn't have dying, decaying plants, if we didn't have animal poop, then our soil would not be rich. So the feminine principle is to recycle that which is rotten, decaying, is a waste product from other animals into rich soil that will grow the next beautiful, delicious, nourishing fruit. I think there's something so beautiful in that and something that we can all take away from that. Um, I'm curious, though, because I think it's a beautiful concept, but when it comes down to it, especially when it comes to forgiveness, it can be hard to forgive other people, but I think even more so, it can be really hard to forgive ourselves for the mistakes we've made in the past or even the feelings that we're experiencing how exactly do we do we take on this feminine principle and start to put this into practice so that we can forgive ourselves? Thank you for asking this question. There is a lot of debate in the healing world as to whether forgiveness is necessary because sometimes we might feel like, well, the person who raped me does not deserve my forgiveness. And at a mental level, if we use our mind our logic mind. Of course, that person is not forgivable. <laughs> I completely agree with that person who says that person is unforgivable. However, as an energy healer, what I discovered is what I vibrate is what I manifest. So if I vibrate forgiveness for this other person, I also vibrate forgiveness for myself, right? And then I talked about how forgiveness heals the liver and the eye, right? So empirically, I was able to facilitate the recovery of that woman's eyesight who was really pissed off at her sister for three months. So it's like, well, you can be right and not practice forgiveness, but you might never get your eyesight back. Or you, you want to take a chance and trust me that if you vibrate forgiveness, head to toe, skin to bone, in every single cell, every layer of your existence, because vibrations don't lie. You can't forgive your left pinky, but not forgive your right toe, okay? It doesn't work like that. It's like vibrations don't lie. 
either you are in anger, resentment, or hatred, or you're in forgiveness. So what is the choice that you make? And, you know, as I mentioned before, I'm able to download forgiveness onto people as a healing blessing, right? So how does that technology work, really? What it means is whatever blessing that I give to another person is what I have to vibrate in myself first, right? So basically, I get to vibrate complete forgiveness before I can offer complete forgiveness to my clients. Now, if I choose to vibrate holding grudges, then I'm also going to pass that on to other people. So basically, every sentence, every thought, it's either a blessing or a curse. So in any given moment, I'm either uttering a magic spell for the purpose of blessing and healing people, or I'm practicing dark magic where I'm cursing myself and I'm cursing others. So basically it comes down to, well, does that person deserve forgiveness? No, but I deserve forgiveness. Forgiveness is a gift for me and I can sit and talk about how I'm a victim and I can talk about how I'm right I'm a victim. But do I want to be right about being a victim? Or do I want to be right about being a powerful co-creator of this universe where I manifest everything in this moment? Oh, yeah, I can completely agree with that. I mean, somebody that somebody that rapes, somebody who who hurts you, they're, they're not necessarily like that particular person isn't necessarily worth the forgiveness, but you are. Exactly. Yeah. And what it does to you, because I've, I've seen anger make me sick at different times in my life. And that's not fair to me, even if I, you know, <laughs> you are right. But do you really want to be right about that necessarily? You want to instead, I think, heal. And so that is so, so important to, to recognize that, that you deserve the forgiveness regardless of that. That other person. So I love what you have to say there. Now, when you were putting together this book, you had to really dive into a lot of the difficult experiences that you've gone through in your life. What was the journey like going back through that as you were putting this book together? And and did you have, you know, additional healing you had to go through while writing this book? Absolutely. I want to start with how this book got started. So I have been be a Reiki practitioner and offering blessings to people for a while. And I talk about this too in the book, how I was spiritual bypassing. I was so love and light, love and light, love and light all day long. And actually what I was actually doing was I was judging other people be like, oh my God, you don't meditate, you don't chant mantras, and you know, you don't do yoga, and you have anger issues, you haven't healed your childhood wounds. So I was actually really, really in my ego and feeling superior to other people who wasn't doing the work. And because of this, it actually led to the failure of my marriage. You know, I felt like, oh, I'm so much better than my husband because look, I'm love and light. I practice forgiveness, compassion, and all of these things. And when the divorce was in my face, my ego got crushed and I was like, oh. So I had countless dark nights of the soul when I started questioning everything. I was like, oh my God, is love and light even real? <laughs> And what does it mean about me that I'm a healer, but I have a divorce? I don't even have peace and harmony. You know, I felt like a complete fraud. 
right? I went through waves of shame, unworthiness, and every shadow to the extreme. And so I, it was actually a really wonderful opportunity. My, one of my spiritual teachers, Dr. Raven Lee, she wrote a book called Unbinding the Soul, Awakening Through Crisis. So I was having a crisis through my divorce, and that's actually where I did the most shadow work and where I gained the most authentic power standing as source. Because doing the shadow work for the first time, I wasn't preferring love and light. I saw the gifts in all my darkness. I saw the gift in my unworthiness. I saw the gift in my drama queen. I saw the gift of taking people for granted. I saw, I saw the gift in manipulation. I saw the gift in shame. I saw the gift in everything. And that's not to say that those things are right. You know, of course, I believe in forgiveness and not holding anger and grudges, but it's to understand, oh, this, my teacher gave me this one powerful sentence. She says, compassion is to understand why you couldn't have been the mother you wanted to be, right? So compassion is to understand that you have to go through being selfish and manipulating others before you can step into unconditional service. Compassion is to understand you have to go through taking everybody for granted before you can arrive at the purest form of gratitude, right? Compassion is to understand you, you have to go through holding grudges and being really angry before you can arrive at true forgiveness, right? Compassion to, is to understand that everyone has to go through the darkness before they find the light in themselves. I think that's so important for us to, to recognize that because you're so, when you talk about the love and light, I mean, that's something we all strive for. We all want to be these enlightened souls that don't get angry at the, you know, the quote unquote, the little things and maybe don't curse at other cars in traffic or whatever it is. But I think you can't truly be compassionate and you can't truly have that empathy, I think, for others if you haven't experienced the dark times for yourself and let yourself feel those things. I think that there there is such a truth in that. Yeah. True compassion happens because the darkness in me understands the darkness in other people. So when somebody is reacting in fear, I will be like, oh, been there, done that. <laughs> Checkbox. <laughs> I know exactly you are in fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. You are acting out of unhealed wounds. And you know what? Because I've been there, I'm going to give you a little wink and send you some love. Yes. Oh, I, th I think that's absolutely beautiful. And just something that, you know, in yoga, we always say the divine light in me sees and, you know, recognizes the divine light in you. But I think also to see that darkness and to recognize that, I think that's just part of that whole human experience overall. And this lesson is something that's so important for us to recognize and for us to take with us. So thank you for sharing that. What you've done with your book and really getting into that shadow work is so impactful and something that 
maybe scary for us. It's scary to dive into some of our past traumas and we think we might be completely stuck in them if we if we explore that. But I think there's so much beauty in, in the healing process if we can get there. So I, I absolutely love what you're doing. Yeah, thank you for saying that. And that is a really important point. I actually made a YouTube video called How to Do Shadow Work Safely because quite frankly, it's not safe to do shadow work alone because what if you walk down the dark tunnel and you got lost and you got stuck, right? So there are three ways that people can do shadow work safely. One is with either a talk therapist or a life coach that is specialized in shadow work. Number two is you can do a group course, which I offer this 11 week container. Basically it saves you a, a lot of money working privately with talk therapists or life coach. And the third way is if your spiritual channels are open and you can work with a spiritual guide. But basically, you know, when I wrote this book, a lot of it, I was doing the shadow work, but I literally will say, oh my God, my dearest Jesus, please hold my hand and don't you dare let go of my hand for one second. I remember there was this one moment when I was actually suicidal and I, I had really dark thoughts. And instead of being afraid of my suicidal thoughts, I thought I would journey on it. And so I wouldn't go <laughs> to the dark places without a guide, right? I'm like, God, hold my hand. Don't you dare let go until I'm in the light, right? So I have the ability to go in the dark and come back at the light, channeling and asking for help that way so that I'm safe. And so I would say definitely don't do shadow work alone, either work with your talk therapist and make sure that they have done the work because not all talk therapists have done shadow work. I think that's important too. Definitely not to go through it alone because it can be so scary and you are sometimes reopening old wounds that getting stuck down the dark tunnel. I mean, you certainly don't want to experience that. You need you know, some kind of guidance through it. So I think that really is so important. Now, I'd love to get into a little bit more about the services that you offer and a little bit more about your book, how listeners can find it and connect with you as well. But before I do that, I'd love to ask you just a few rapid fire questions just so the listeners can get to know you a little bit more as well. Sure. It sounds fun. Awesome. So my first question for you, what is your top wellness tip? My top wellness tip is to love yourself unconditionally, no matter how dark or ugly you, you are feeling. Definitely something that so many of us need to hear right now. I think that's such an it's such a powerful tip. Now, where is your favorite travel destination? <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna sound really funny, but inside my body, I take a tour around my body uh, at least once a day. It's it's really fun. I do it. It's kind of like people brush teeth. I, I walk around my, inside my body looking for things to clean. <laughs> That's so cool. I, I, and I think that ties back so well into a lot of what you've talked about. So I think listeners will definitely enjoy looking into your website a little bit more on how we can start doing that. And I think that's such a cool concept. You know, what's funny is that when you do this work for a while, there's a story behind every blockage. So sometimes when I find, let's say, some pain in my right hip, and then I'll say, okay, right hip, how are you doing? Tell me a little bit more why, why you're in pain. And my, then I might get a flash of an image of 
like a story. And so it's kind of like, it's like vacation or touring, you know, it's taking a tour inside my body and it's, it's always interesting. I love that. I, I definitely will need to look into that and see because, you know, this show is wellness and wanderlust, but I think the wanderlust isn't just traveling the world, but getting to know yourself in different ways. And I think that that ties in so nicely. So I, I absolutely love that answer. Now, on a completely different note, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? I'm a crow because I have some spiritual gifts. That's a really cool one. Um, What spiritual gifts do the crows have? They have some psychic abilities. I don't think I realized that, but I think they're so cool. Now, if you could master a completely new skill, what would that be? Networking. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because I've spent so much of my life meditating and I feel like I can meditate three hours at a time. So it's actually really funny that I'm doing podcasts and TV shows and radio show because there's a part of me that's just incredibly happy to meditate hours a day. So I have to, or I get to get myself out in front of people. I love that. I network for a living, but I'm very much an introvert and I love that time to myself. So it's something that I often have to remind myself as well, but I think there's something so rewarding too and getting out into the world as well. Because you get into your, you know, you you're happy with yourself and you enjoy that time. And so sometimes it's it's easy to forget, but then you connect with other people and it's like, wow, this this really is amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that is so cool. And um, I'll be excited to hear some more of your your appearances as well. But it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show and get to get to network with you a little bit. And um, my final question for you, as far as our rapid fire questions go, what is next on your bucket list? Wow. My next on the bucket list is to definitely land a TEDx talk. Because I, you know, somehow I became a medical intuitive. And I just feel like I've learned so much from four science degree and from all my spiritual experimentation, let's just call it, that I would love to share what I've learned on the TEDx stage. That would be amazing. I think that's definitely something on my bucket list as well and something that I think you have such a powerful message to share out there as well. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, I will look forward to watching your TEDx talk. You'll have to send that to me as soon as that's booked, but I do believe that that is coming for you. So I love everything that you're doing. I think that the shadow work, I think that the um, the energy healing, all of that is so powerful and has such an impact on the world. Uh, so thank you for everything that you're doing. Before I let you go, if you could tell our listeners just a little bit about the services that you offer and how they can find you and connect. Sure. So my website is mindfulhealingheart.com. It's very easy to remember because mindful healing starts from the heart. So from from mindfulhealingheart.com, you can book me for private consultations. You can find my book, my podcast, any television appearances, and also the course. I have an online community called Compassionate Transformation, where I actually have all of this stuff. So instead of working with me privately, which becomes expensive, is you can work with me in a group setting. And it's really rewarding. And definitely don't do shadow work alone. You can work with me in the group course. I actually have 
regular free masterclasses. And those are phenomenal. Let me tell you a funny story. So I'm a really, really greedy person. And I always live like, okay, Winnie, if you're going to die in one week, I want you to put everything you know into like this one 90 minute masterclass. So literally you're getting like, I don't save anything for myself. I won't be like, you know what? Let me save the good stuff when people pay. No, I give you the good stuff, whether you pay or not. If you don't pay, I give you the good stuff. If you pay, then I am giving you 40 years of therapy in the course. So I'm just giving, giving, giving. That's sort of like my idea is that as an acupuncturist, because in the US we have this healthcare model, it's like, it's so expensive, health insurance expensive. And I really believe that healthcare should be available to all, whether you have money or not. So it's such a core belief of mine, which is why I regularly do Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube videos, and do a lot of free events, free masterclasses. I've done three, you know, in the last two months, because I believe that even if you don't have money, you should be able to go on YouTube and heal yourself. That's really a core belief of mine. And I also believe that every person is worth money, right? Valerie is worth big money. <laughs> I'm worth big money. And the thing is big money equals big impact. So I give lots and lots of free things, but then I also charge the appropriate amount for quantum leaping 40 years of therapy for you. And so, yeah, so on my course, I'm sorry, on my website, you can find anything from completely free to me holding your hand through the shadow work. I think that's lovely. And I completely agree with you when it comes to healthcare and being able to heal yourself to be able to have that be accessible to all. And so I think that's so incredible that you offer this range of resources that um, no matter what stage you're at financially and otherwise that you can still take that and take those lessons with you. So I think that's absolutely beautiful. And I am so inspired by what you're doing. I can't wait to learn a little more and to read your book. But I just wanted to say, Winnie, thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing your story and your wisdom with us today. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. And I want to personally thank each and every audience. You guys or some very lucky audience. Okay, keep listening to Valerie's show because, man, I love her podcast. Okay, first of all, thank you so much for the kind words, Winnie. I have so enjoyed talking with her and hearing her story and learning a little bit more about this type of work. This conversation was such an eye-opener for me. I hadn't really looked into shadow work in the past, but I'm working through some of my own things right now, and I find it so true that there's a lot we can uncover when we do this type of self-exploration. So I'm definitely going to be utilizing some of the resources from Winnie's website, like that masterclass that she talked about, and I highly suggest you do the same if there's anything that you're working through right now. I have linked Winnie's information in the show notes, so be sure to connect with her and learn more about her work. I want to thank you for tuning into this week's episode and for being part of the Wellness and Wanderlust community. If this conversation resonated with you, I'd love it if you could share it with a friend, tag us on social media, or leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. I would be incredibly grateful, and it makes such a huge difference in getting the word out there. If you have a topic you'd like us to explore in a future episode or a guest that you'd like us to have on, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I am on Instagram at wellness and wanderlust blog. You can also email me at Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E at wellness and wanderlust.net. 
I'd love to know what you think and what types of topics and guests are of interest to you. Now, wherever this episode finds you, I hope you have a fabulous day and I can't wait to chat with you next time.